Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate in 2003 nike signed 13 year old freddie adu to a seven-figure contract but freddie didn't live up to the hype he is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are gonna look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, coming at you as always, your host Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we have a we have a lovely guest, and there's uh, layers to this one now. So while we have Clayton Beerman, uh, longtime friend, uh, longtime goalkeeper union card holder, uh, Clayton, you're doing double duty for us today. I will admit that I had a bit of a cock up. We didn't get all of your audio recorded, so we're literally doing this over part two. So you're an absolute ledge for sticking around. That's Absolutely no problem at all. Uh, I love you guys, so uh, I'm happy to accept your cock up and um, let's let's do it again. We, <laughs> I will say, the first show that we did, fantastic. We had a really yeah. good time. <laughs> we we covered a lot. This is Nico uh, down is the best episode of this podcast two. ever, <laughs> ever, and you yeah. can't hear it. Ever. Well, look, let us uh, act and get back into it so we can enjoy it all over again. Uh, but before we do it, it's always the three-word match of you. So, uh, Dan, again, this thing is growing out of control. The list, you try to pare it down, but we just have so many that we get to touch on here. Look, there are ones that are Chelsea-specific, you know, JW with a Pokemon style. What? Chelsea's evolving. Mr. Thurman with the new stat that is going to take the world by storm, which is the expected ass-whoopings. Dean Mears, who was at the match, went with the home sweet home, which is wonderful. 2,000 supporters back at the bridge. We had a couple going a little bit more match summary. We had Domer with full team flow. You had the Holy City Blues from Charleston with Doug Deep Dub. Couple that went right after Bielsa. You know, you had Rob with the stop crying Bielsa. Kate with the leads leave losers. Jason with done dirty cheap with dirty leads in uh, parentheses there. You had Burke cubed with the death to man buns because it's just apparently a hairstyle in the so leads many. area. And the then a few that were player yeah. specific. Tommy with Mason is mustard. Ganazinga with the mount of the match. 
Gabriel with Zuma's French forehead, question mark, trying to challenge the roof a little bit there. And the one that I think we all felt the first time we recorded and now is still, still the best. Good. Still Faris good. <laughs> Navidad from Garland Mason. Faris Navidad. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Nick, obviously, we know that you are a big alliteration guy and you stepped in and led with some consistency. That's right. Dan will claim that I stole his idea. False. I did not. Ridiculous assertion. Frank Foyle's foe. Bam. Right there. It's no Faris Navidad, which is by far the best, but still good. It's also setting you up to be able to copy-paste that week in and week out. So, Yep. All right. Dan, over to you. Well, I had to pivot because even though I wrote the script, Nick decided to go into my lane about Frank. So I went with a different one, which I just updated the tense on the three-word match preview, which is now... The bridge battered Bielsa. 2,000 loud fans. Got to support them. Got to call them out for being amazing. By the way, the Frank Lane, it's a big <laughs> lane. There are a lot of room. There's a lot of room for I'm cars in, in that All lane. Right. I went tactic spot on. All right. And we'll talk about that uh, later on in the script. I thought the team was set up phenomenally. So I jumped into the Frank Lane as well. Uh, Clayton, though, a bit of a throwback for years. Yep. Out, outrun Dirty Leeds. But we weren't quite sure whether outrun is a word, but uh, we're we're going with that. Well, we're gonna give you we're gonna give you the the word left over from Garland on Faris Navidad because that was only two, but it was still good enough to, to yeah. get it. You're gonna get that word Thank in exchange. You. I accept. It's it's all about the artistry and and the word manipulation, hyphens, combining words. You just make it work. So. Anyways, in this episode, we're going to be discussing how Frank bested Bielsa to bring the Blues to the top of the Premier League table, albeit short-lived. Uh, the defenders that are doing the business on both ends of the pitch, airs Zuma and rolls Reese. And obviously, what a hot streak and a few knocks means for rotation over the next two matches. Do you play the hot hand or do you give people rest and try to play the long game? So before we get into that, some thank you, some gratitude to Domer and to Danielle who joined Patreon. Thank you so much. Uh, I know Domer, you're in. Danielle, if if you're not in yet, let me know. We'll get you in there uh, and your rewards are on the way. Dan, you continue to keep your Apple Podcast group hot streak alive. Well, yeah, more five-star love and Apple Podcasts. We always appreciate these reviews. Helps people find the podcast, so we appreciate that so much. We had Dabruski uh, with a wonderful review talking about how we're helping them enjoy their night shifts or kind of get through their night shifts during the pandemic. We had Slash1475 tuning in from Egypt, which was really cool. And then uh, Habit Tumultuous from the St. Louis Blues, who absolutely, you know, sticking it to Nick here with the hashtag Why Not Us. Because he's not on the bandwagon yet, but we're going to get him there. We are going to get him there. Always. And and St. Louis is, you know, another city in Missouri, but it's no Kansas City. So, sorry. Uh, but not really. Uh, all right. Well, well, we'll take more of those reviews. Uh, keep this... this uh, this competition, this rivalry alive. But Nick, you want to talk about some merch? That's right. Uh, it's a win-win-win thing that we're doing with Merch Madness. One, we buy your merch. We don't need it to be gifted. We've had a few, you know, the Bayou City Blues offered to send us stuff. We want to buy it from you, friends. It's a, it's a whole thing. So we're going to buy it from you. We're going to feature it on the pod and, and rate it and review it and make sure that we have a, a cool bracket type thing going on, i.e. March Madness, but Merch Madness. And then we're going to make a donation to your local pub, pub workers who have been kind of struggling through the pandemic, or we're going to do a charity of your choice, whatever it is. So send us links, send us DMs, PayPal's, wherever it is, send you uh, money for the initial merch. And then uh, we're going to do that. And that'll be kind of a December thing that we do. So 
make it happen. Looking forward to that. Uh, just so you know what's coming at you this week, we've got uh, the Crossendor match review, obviously, that will be coming out post-match. Uh, then we have the Everton preview as well come Friday. Uh, but Nick, apparently we missed a bit of a shout-out for one Chad, the head of Twin Cities Blues, which I'm happy to let you take the blame for. Yeah, well, look, Chad and I have already had a run-in this week, so might as well put one on my tab. Um, <laughs> Chad, Chad's a wonderful human being. We, we love Chad. Uh, he's a Husker, which makes him a, a really good person. And uh, look, uh, it's his belated birthday this week, uh, but we've seen Chad more in London visiting Clayton and co than we have anywhere else. And that's how you know he's proper Chelsea. So happy birthday to Chad. Yes. Yes. Definitely true friend uh, of the pod. Um, I guess Clayton, I, I kind of said a thing a little bit ago. It kind of came back to bite me. I meant it as a term of endearment. You've, you've known Chelsea for longer than us. So I'm going to skirt around the words that I used. But you, you know Leeds better than we do. Most of us that came to watching the Premier League once, you know, Fox Soccer Channel started airing it in the early 2000s. We don't know much about Leeds. We hear that they're dirty. We hear there's a, a potential rivalry when we talked to the FanCast crew a few years back. And we talked about Millwall, Leeds, Tottenham, Arsenal, different teams like that. Help us understand why... Leeds and Chelsea is even a thing. Okay, so uh, geographically, uh, this is not a derby, so it's unusual that there's so much hatred between the two clubs. Uh, and it is a generational thing, obviously. Uh, people of my ilk um, have a thing about Leeds. Um, it started in the 70s, the early 70s, 1970 Cup final, which was possibly uh, the dirtiest game of football ever played. If uh, any of you can oh, yeah. visit YouTube, uh, it is worth um, watching just for incredulity more than anything else. Um, but I, my own personal um, Leeds uh, rivalry uh, was sort of, I always disliked them, but um, I had a new disregard for them following a 1983-84 season. Uh, some friends uh, went to Elland Road for the away game and uh, we all went up in a, in a minibus. And when you park near a football ground uh, in a minibus, it's always good to check that it doesn't have anything on it, which actually says that you're not from around those parts. And indeed, you may be from the area that the opposing team played for. Uh, so when we uh, left the ground after the 1-1 draw, uh, Kerry Dixon scoring, um, we went back to our minibus and the very nice locals had basically um, decided that it would be very useful for our journey home to let down all the tires and <laughs> remove the windscreen. Which is, and, which um, is the glass, When I say right? remove the windscreen, I don't mean it was done in a sort of mechanical garage way. Uh, it was done in a sort of brick way anyway cut a long oh. story short um we were basically the tires were repaired but um there was no windscreen uh replacement and so we had a um about a two two and a half hour journey back to london in a minibus with no windscreen and i can tell you that it was uh it was probably the coldest car journey i've ever had oh my um gosh. Thankfully, I wasn't driving. Um, and the, yeah, so that, that was deeply unpleasant. Um, but uh, the, 
the happy ending is that when we uh, won promotion that year and we sealed promotion or didn't seal promotion. Oh, yeah, we sealed promotion in that game. Uh, the home game against Leeds, which we won 5-0, which was fantastic. Um, and towards the end of the game, the Leeds fans, and there must have been about five, 600 of them, um, thought it would be a very good idea to um, do some repair work on the unbroken uh, uh, scoreboard uh, with a scaffolding pole. Um, and so for their troubles of um, engineering, they got battered by the local constabulary and they got kept in and to, and then even better made to watch 40,000 plus Chelsea fans on the pitch celebrating promotion. So um, there was a happy ending. Can we, can we talk about one? You can't even bring like a digital camera into games now, but you could somehow <laughs> in the 80s bring in a scaffolding pole? Well, I, do you know, it, it, I've thought about this and I don't think it was smuggled. It was a hot summer's day, so it wasn't smuggled in under a coat. But I can only think that um, this was before Stamford Bridge was redeveloped and it was an open ground. It may have been one of the um, stanchions. They used to be where, where you stand at grounds and they're, they're like a stanchion. I think maybe that was removed from a concrete base um, and used, oh as the repair, used as the repair tool for the oh. as yet unbroken scoreboard, which said Chelsea 5 leads nil, which I can understand why they wouldn't want to see that. But God bless him. This this leads lot just creative in all the wrong ways, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, basically, when everybody was celebrating, and, and you wouldn't have got it um, where you guys were, but when these got promoted um, last season, it made the BBC news, and everybody was delighted, and Bielsa was given sainthood or what have you. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there thinking, nah, nah. <laughs> it's you know. Coming to a ground near you, not good. Good, good, good. Well, that that ties in strongly to my narrative of of this weird obsession with leads. I mean, I, I I've done a little bit of YouTube homework on Bielsa. I've watched some of the documentary. I don't see it, and thankfully, the result validates that. So here we go. It is the match review. It is Dirty Leads United in the Premier League. This past Saturday, the fifth of December in twenty twenty, was at Stamford Bridge in front of 2,000 amazing supporters. Uh, the slow journey back to a, a full-packed house at Stamford Bridge, the first 2,000. Uh, scoreline, Chelsea 3, Leeds United 1. Got the business done. Um, look, from a prediction standpoint, obviously I wasn't able to throw my name in the hat on uh, last week, but Nick and Dan, gentlemen, you, you, you got some participation points. You got the result right, but, I mean, that's not really what we're predicting now, is it? Look, I will say... To Dan and I's credit, because we put on just a tremendous show without you, uh, we called how this match could go, almost to a T. So if you're interested in what are sure to be wrong predictions moving forward, you should check out our (laughs) match preview show. But we nailed this one. We we called almost everything about how this match could go, including the two uh, contributors to the Leeds goal and why they were dangerous. Sometimes we're on, sometimes we're not. This was like, you know... 75% 75% of the way there. All right. Well, before we get into the lineup, uh, let's go ahead and turn over to the Chelsea Fifth Stand app to run back the goals so you can relive them before we get into it. So again, go download the Chelsea Fifth Stand app if you haven't already. The only official app of Chelsea, and they have plenty of giveaways, plenty of goal highlights. All the content goes there first. Check it out. 
Chelsea set their sights on the summit of the Premier League standings tonight as the Blues take on Leeds as Stamford Bridge. And while the faithful aren't yet allowed to pack to the rafters of this grand old stadium, there are 2,000 supporters here this evening on what a welcome sight that is. Here he is looking to go away from the keeper, right on cue unfortunately from a Chelsea point of view. Bamford scores, beautifully taken. Can Chelsea take advantage? Mount to curl it in, ricochets out and in, surely has it! Oh, that must have gone in! I think Timo Werner's kicked He's it out. cleared it off the line, that's incredible! Ziyech, Giroud waits inside the area. Ziyech will take a touch. This is Rhys James, low ball in! Yeah. Olivier Giroud! You cannot keep him off the score sheet at the moment and Chelsea deservedly are level! Well, it's a great finish at the near post, but the movement was exceptional. Kante looks for Giroud, helps it on for Timo Werner. Good save, follow-up. Oh, Mason Mount denied, and somehow leads escape. Well, they've made about, he's made about three saves here, Melia. He's done really well. More work to do here, perhaps. Mount with the outswing at the yeah. header down, goes in, Zuma. Chelsea are not denied this time around. And Kurt Zuma, who's having a wonderful season in terms of scoring goals. Marverna has got the pace here to get away from Dallas now, then he deserves a goal, he's been excellent, wants to put it on a plate, yeah. taken brilliantly. Pulisic slides in, Chelsea lead by three goals to one, and that's more a reflective scoreline of the dominance that the Blues have enjoyed here. from behind success puts Chelsea top of the Premier League table tonight Frank Lampard's side too good too classy all right Dan lineup time we've gotten to relive the goals we we remember what happened now how do we get there well it started with a 4-3-3 lineup from Frank Lampard with Edouard Mendy Benny Mendy between the sticks you had Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma continuing their center back partnership and Ben Chilwell and Reese James on the flanks. N'Golo Kante, Mason Mountain, Kai Havertz were your midfield trio. Timo Werner, Olivier Giroud, and Hakim Ziyech were your front three. Unused substitutes included Kepa Arifablaga, Antonio Rudiger, Cesar Espliqueta, and Jorginho. Christian Pulisic comes in early for an injured Hakim. Mateo Kovacic and Tammy Abraham also make appearances later in the match. Well, if we run through some of the stats, Chelsea just shy of 46% possession. But here's where it gets fun. 23 shots, 11 on target for Chelsea. Leads with a measly 8 shots, 3 on target. Uh, they did have more touches. They did have more passes. They even had more tackles. They had 30 to our 20. 50 combined tackles has to be somewhere at the top of the stats line when it comes to uh, total tackles in a match. We each had 19 clearances. We had eight corners to their four, one offsides to their four, a couple of cautions for dirty leads, none for Chelsea, and they had nine fouls conceded to our 12. Now, where it really gets out of control is this at Kaylee underscore graphics tweet with the XG. Okay, uh, how it reads is Chelsea expected goals 4.7, wow. leads 1.3. So we weren't completely off, Dan, when the actual scoreline, but it gets more wild than that. Well, two things about this. Kayla Graphics always good with a, a commentary with each of the images he posts out. And 
he put out oh my goodness with this one but typically when it is so lopsided he goes with the from the simpsons that's a paddling and uh <laughs> was not included in this one but it also was the highest xg in a premier league game for the current season i think the highest ever is like in the six range it was like a man city just demolishing a side so th- this Probably is just burnley. a testament to maybe burnley uh maybe bournemouth i don't know uh but this is just an exceptional um convert you know and we didn't even convert all these wonderful chances like we we littered the box with wonderful chances and uh somehow you know underperformed our xg no uh, dan somehow dan has this retweeted on twitter but the look at the big blue one at the front of the goal that we didn't convert. We'll, we'll talk it's about that almost inside one. the goal. <laughs> yeah, almost inside of it. <laughs> I know. It's it's wild. But I, can I quickly say on the tackles point that you made, Brandon, which was something that really irked me yesterday, Leeds went to ground and, and did more slide tackles than I remember any team has done in recent memory. And they got really lucky on a few of them that, that would have taken Chelsea clear on a break or something. They are going to get burned if they keep doing that in the Premier League. There are going to be plenty of talented players who are able to lift the ball over and start a counter, and I think they just got really lucky. Chelsea didn't seem ready for how much they went to ground, but it was wild. I can remember three last-ditch tackles specifically. Mm -hmm. Christian, I even think Chilwell, Kovacic. Like, we were in. We Like you said, we were through on goal. And they just got a touch on it. It was absolutely shattering a couple of those times at how close we were. Um, Clayton, we haven't really, obviously, haven't had you on this season yet. But looking at this lineup, I want to hear kind of your thoughts on it. I The one thing that keeps surprising me until I see it, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Tago Silva's the captain. And, and it's it's not even a talking point. We know Aspie's not playing. He just very quickly... When and there's like the chatter preseason of like, oh, Tiago Silva might be the captain. You're like, hey, come on, Aspie's been here. Tiago hasn't even walked through the door yet. Like that's a little premature. He is so naturally a captain on the field, and I don't even question it anymore. Yeah, I think I think at the, the discussion at the beginning of the season when people were questioning about Silva being our captain was that there was the assumption that Aspie was going to be playing. And I think that's why most people were saying, no, that, that's not right. Uh, but obviously, Asby's not playing uh, for very obvious reasons. He is a captain. He leads by example. You can see that he is basically um, playing superbly. And, you know, captains lead by example. And that's what he's doing. The communication isn't perhaps um, there verbally, uh, but definitely... Um, his presence and and how he sort of holds himself on the pitch. Um, I think that the team that we played yesterday is now, for me, our first 11, uh, with obviously uh, Ollie and Tammy being interchangeable. But I I like that lineup and and I think we're going to go with that um, going forward in most games. what do you reckon, Dan? I think it makes sense. It is the 11 that I would anticipate, particularly after Drew's incredible run. And I know that we'll get into his selection uh, in this side later, but it's it's hard not to see, particularly the back five, 
you know, if healthy, are going to be the five that carry us. I think where you might see the fluctuation is rest for one midfielder or maybe rest for a forward occasionally. But in general, I, I love the fact that we have finally have this settled defense and you just know that that is the, the, co- the consistency that that builds is phenomenal. And I, it gives me so much extra assurance to see that every lineup that's come out. All right. Well, let's dive into it a little bit and start with how Frank bested Bielsa. So, again, one of the things that we heard was like this, this Cinderella story. Leads are back. They're a big club. And, that, and again, for us in, in the States, you know, I had said I had to do a little bit of homework to understand what Leeds were about, Clayton. I just... I didn't really hear it. But then leading up to the match, it's all about, oh, Bielsa's this master tactician. I hear on the Chelsea Fancast pod when they had a, a Leeds fan on talking about how I don't really get Frank Lampard. I think he's under, he's overrated as a tactician. I just don't think he's very good. All I can say is that when it comes to tactics, Bielsa, know, you just know what you're going to get, right? Like Leeds played the same way every single match, a little bit like Maurizio Sarri. You just, it doesn't matter who they play, they're going to do a certain thing. And I thought Frank absolutely nailed how the team was set up, how we nullified them. I mean, the stats show that, and we can get into some of the stuff, but it was just so good. You're talking about how the media had, you know, Leeds as their, their darling, their promoted darling, and I thought we just went out there and absolutely slapped them. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting that there's this whole sort of uh, Bielsa loving. Um, I believe, and I might be wrong, but apart from a couple of minor things in South America, that Bielsa, uh, like his countryman, Maurizio Pochettino, has won the square root of nothing. Um, and that's not to, <laughs> that, that's not to undermine him as a coach, because obviously he is a good coach. Um but I think that, you know, Frank is learning on the job. Um, he's a very young manager, certainly in Premier League uh, terms. He's only had one interrupted season behind him. And I think he's just evolving. I think tactically he has been naive in the past, and I think we have suffered because of that. Uh, but I'm not seeing any of that um, this season. And this was a perfect example um, of how much homework they have done what they needed to do. There was talk about breaking the tackle of the man for man. And then we were in on goal, which is which is how it proved. And, and we created so many chances um, that had we not been so wasteful in front of goal, Nick, uh, this may have been a rout. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Clayton and I are on about the same page uh, in terms of how we felt about this match, whereas maybe Dan and Brandon had a little bit more of an enjoyable viewing experience, I I will I will always rue the lack of finishing because as we said in our first recording, Clayton, today, you know, it was our warm-up recording for, for the real thing. Press uh, rehearsal. Every every time we miss an obvious goal scoring chance, the the dread creeps in for me. You know, it's like, oh man, you know, you go up three one earlier, you go up two nothing within the first five minutes because you have those two really clear-cut opportunities, and the game could be over very quickly, right? And, and it basically takes the air out of the Leeds balloon, and, and you could you could see Chelsea really running up the score at that point. Uh, the fact that this went a little a little wonky in the first half, and then and then Chelsea clearly settled in and this, you know really got stronger uh, as the match went on, which is you know, a credit to 
what Brandon's about to talk about with some stats on on running. I, I think is is a credit to Frank's tactical awareness. I think Chelsea were set up perfectly. We said in the preview show that if we did have less possession, it would allow leads to push up further. It would allow for our counter attack to do more and have more space in behind. And that's pretty much how the script went. I mean, it, it was it was clinical. I know, and I, and I understand. You know, you guys were really concerned at two one, right? Like, hey, you know. We're one counterattack or one break away from being at all level. I just took a lot of comfort and confidence in how much we were just, how many chances we were creating. It seemed like we were pretty much, we pretty much knew exactly what we needed to do to counteract them. We knew what we needed to do to absorb them. And we were just able to have wave after wave of attack. And like you play this match another 10 times, like we win six, one, right? Like we just do, but obviously it wasn't happening today, but I've just played in these matches where I felt like there's nothing but confidence. You're like, it's going to come. It's going to come. Leeds really weren't threatening Chelsea too much. Um, and I was enjoying seeing all of the attacks happen just is time over time. And, you know, you talk about how Leeds are just, you know, upped for all of the running they do, which, by the way, just because you run a lot doesn't mean you're a good team. And I think we saw the difference between good players and running. But then I get this this stat, this tweet from False Winger, who says Chelsea players ran six kilometers more than Leeds United, the first team in the Premier League to do that. So then I'm like, well, wait, we outran them and we outqualityed them. Leeds just didn't have a chance. And then you talk about how well we did defensively, which I know you guys were nervous about it, but his other tweet was Leeds United had 87 shots in the last four matches. That's That's roughly 22 shots per game. And against Chelsea, they had just eight. Dan, I just look at this as total domination. The fact that we had to wait so long for the second and the third goal to come was a bit of an anomaly. But I, I was enjoying the match overall yesterday. I thought tactically we were set up to perfection. We were just lacking, um, almost comically at times, some finishing. Well, and the retort that I saw from a lot of lead supporters online after the match is, well, well, of course, you know, when you can spend so much money on a squad, it's going to be easy to beat a team. This did come down to the tactics that Bielsa set up with and how he wanted to play, which, again, he is not multifaceted. He has a style in which he likes to play and very much got exposed by Frank. So the question I would ask them is, are you guys sure Bielsa's really good? Like with that, that's a, I think a fair question. And I mean, they started the season really strong, had an incredible, fun, enjoyable game to watch against Liverpool where they, surprise, they lost. Um, and, and they are not, you know, they're not necessarily a side that is going to challenge for a European spot this season. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be enjoyable at times to watch them, you know, get battered uh, by teams because if they're going to continue to play this way, it, it's not going to be a fun end to their season. They are are too open. They play this, you know, this press, this man to man press. And if not for one of the mistakes, that, you know, one of the few mistakes from Edouard Mendy, right? You can count them on a single hand, the mistakes he has made this season, kind of coming off the line, uh, Zuma maybe being a, a little bit, you know, behind on the run on Patrick Bamford. They, they don't have a goal in this game. They didn't shoot enough with the way that they convert to put themselves in a position to win this match. No. If anything, they were only ever playing to not lose the game. And if you go into a match playing that way, 
result, it's going to be a better result going up against a side like Chelsea. They're, they're a, they have to shoot, you know, as Brandon said. I mean, if they have 22 shots and they scored one goal in their last game, you know, I mean, they're a high, they have to shoot a lot to have a chance to score. And so, yeah, it's, they just, they ran into a buzzsaw yesterday. Now, it wasn't an enjoyable buzzsaw for me to watch at times, but it was a buzzsaw by every metric that you have at your disposal right now. And I think upon knowing the result and being able to calm my heart down a little bit, I can look back at this in a more enjoyable fashion. It was it was just a, I think it was probably the same level of frantic as that Leeds-Liverpool game was at the beginning of the season. It was all over the place. It was probably the most stretched game that we played this year. And, you know, it was uh, it was not always easy, but uh, at the end it was pretty conclusive. Overall, I was super, super happy with just, again, how Frank handled taking up the Bielsa. But I think it's we should probably break down some of the specific individual performance who got us there. So we're going to take a real quick break. Thanks to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. And when we get back, it's all about Conte, Mason, Rolls-Reese, Air Zuma. We got, we got a lot more. So we will be right back. Hey guys, Dan here with another Manscaped ad. This time it is for their holiday bundle, the Performance Package. It's the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, makes a perfect gift. If this is on a list, if you are giving this list to somebody and they see that, they know you've got some taste. You've got a desire to be super smooth, to be super well-groomed. Look, you might want to be Olivia Giroud level. I'm just going to be straight out with you. I'm going to be very honest. Probably not happening for you. Probably not going to happen. But you know what? If you want to trim something other than the tree, this might be the gift for you. This might be the package. So let's talk about what you get. You get the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It's the best trimmer on the market for, as the copy says, your balls, booty, and your body. It also includes the Weed Whacker, which, as it indicates in the copy, is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. It includes the Crop Preserver deodorant and Crop Reviver ball toner to maximize your ball hydrate. It includes two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. You get 20% off and free shipping using the code LONDONISBLUE at manscaped.com. And as the copy says, thank you for making our holes look sexy. Now remember, just get in. The tree isn't the only thing that might need trimming this holiday season. So you know what? Go over to manscaped.com. Use the code LONDONISBLUE. Get 20% off that performance package. Don't be a prickly Hans Gruber. Be a smooth John McClain. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. It's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
All right, obligatory N'Golo Kante appreciation tweet from Statman Dave. So this is what N'Golo Kante did from a stats perspective against Leeds. 12 ball recoveries, three tackles, one and two interceptions, all leading in first place, doing what he does best. Um, he was paired with Mason Mount and Kai Averts in midfield. Mason had himself a day, but I guess we can pause real quick. N'Golo Kante is, suffers from his own high standards when it comes to getting praise and respect. We are, we've said this before, we are back to peak N'Golo Kante. Um, what he has to offer to this team, Clayton, right now, you have a settled back five, you have N'Golo Kante sitting in front of them. I mean, to me, this is really like one of the biggest steps moving forward is it he has maybe a little bit more of a limited role, but it plays to his strengths so well. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think you can overestimate the importance of a fit N'Golo Kante, which we haven't had now for a season and a half. And he just takes the team to a new level. He takes his teammates to a new level. Um, you have to think that we're going to talk about Mason and how wonderful he was yesterday, but he can't do what he does without N'Golo Kante. Um, he is... I know there's a lot of great defensive midfielders, but he's unique because he's not only a defensive midfielder, he breaks up play. Uh, and Nick highlighted um, in our earlier edition, his passing ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful player. And I, I, I think that, you know, when we talk about all the transformation, when we talk about all the tactical uh, changes, we talk about the money that we've spent as a club he, without doubt, is probably still the most vital player in the team. I think uh, think you'll agree with that, won't you, Nick? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Every I, I co-sign all of these statements that you just made, and I, I think the the passing thing is something that I, I want people to wake up to more. This is not the Ingolo Conte under Antonio Conte that had one job, which was to break up play. This is a more refined, evolved N'Golo Conte that can break up play, that can read the game as well as anybody in world football, and has added to his locker, Dan, a incredible ability to pass the ball, to break press, to break lines, and is a is a complete footballer. He does not get enough credit for this. He carried the ball from the... You know, from our box to their box and did so with with aplomb, particularly when you think about just especially in the second half when, you know, leads started to ease up a little bit. I mean, this is the pattern, right? If you're going to try and press a team for 70, 80, 90 minutes, eventually your players start to get a little tired. And, And so what has happened for Leeds is that. Later matches, they start to ebb off. And when you have someone like N'Golo Conte, who just has a battery that could power a small country, well, this is what happens. And you look, I mean, he also has the force to whip air molecules around so fast that it can fell Rafinha just by glancing the air at him. Pass, you know, backhanding the air was enough to take down the man. Thoughts and prayers. But N'Golo Conte is just a myth unto himself that has become a legend. It's the the what makes him so special is his ability to read the game and even read players. He knows which way they want to turn, uh, and he's already got a foot stuck in. He's only five foot six, but he plays so much bigger than that. And it's again, it's his ability to read players, and it's just. 
He's he's able to just go out there and do exactly what he needs to do. Mason's you know busting his backside to get there and and provide cover and balance. So they are working so well together, and we're seeing that now. Mason sitting in as a number eight, and and we're seeing Dan. There's literally stats that back up that Mason was absolutely everywhere yesterday, completely involved, um, and thankfully had himself an absolute day. He was. Considered man of the match on many polls and many different things, and and who scored had him because of his assist and his, the amount of passes. But I guess just set the stage from from a from a statistic standpoint. Well, at expected Chelsea had a good tweet summarizing it all: sixty five touches, twenty six completed passes, seven key passes, two big chances created, six out of nine accurate crosses, delectable crosses they were, two out of four dribbles completed, three tackles, two interceptions, the complete number eight. Mason just is, he's fantastic, and he continues to prove any of those who would kind of question, you know, there's this one guy who just seemingly has been tweeting at me for two plus seasons now, occasionally, anytime Frank or Mason has a has a bad match, and uh, someone, you know, called out an early first half tweet that he said, oh, I can't wait until like Mason and Conte get exposed today, and uh, someone found out that he is a, a lawyer and the reply tweet to him was, you know, man, I can't, I, I really like I would never hire you as a lawyer. If you were my defense, I would be on death row <laughs> within oh. five minutes. Oh, my God. Um, because it was so bad. It was just a bad take. And I mean, I, I to credit to Mason, credit to Frank, credit to the supporters who clapped him up, Clayton. But in general, Mason had a wonderful performance, continues to level up his game and get the accolades that he is deserving of. Yeah, no, great point. Uh, we uh, basically, at the ground yesterday, it was fantastic to see when he went over to take the corner that all of the supporters were on their feet and they were clapping him and they they were making Mason aware as if he didn't know that the supporters uh, love him and all the rubbish that he's getting on social media is from people who either don't get it, uh, don't understand it, um, or just, you know, it, it, it reminds me of John Obi McKell, who basically used to get dog's abuse, and yet every single manager who he played under picked him. So who knows best, the managers or um, little Freddie in his room, 12-year-old Freddie, who's given him a hard time. Um you know, he, he's a wonderful footballer. He's a Chelsea boy through and through, and all we should be doing is giving him love. Nothing other than that. He just proves it time after time. Um, his performance yesterday was fantastic. He created so much. Um, we're lucky to have him. Um, and, you know, the sooner people get off his back, the better. I mean, it's just wild to me. Like, obviously, we've had the pleasure of interviewing him and, and, you know, so we, we do have a, a bias in that regard, but like, it's not hard to understand. Like, here's what I don't get. It's not hard to understand what his contribution to this team is. He is among the hardest workers on the team. He covers a ton of ground. He's in, in a, a number eight role is, is his sweet spot. Like he's able to drive in from deep. He's able to stay up front and kind of play as a foe 10. Uh, he's able to distribute, you know, I think, you know, He's not perfect, but no footballer is. So if that's your if if that's your standard, I, you know I, I can't really help you. He he got the love that he deserved yesterday for a long period of of flack that he's received somehow this season. 
I could not be more happy, Brandon, with his performance since this 4-3-3 has been like firmly, firmly adopted. He is clearly comfortable and he's clearly contributing a ton. You're not going to hear any arguments out of me when it comes to applauding Mason. Uh, I've talked about all this self-sacrifice, you know, that he probably puts in when it comes mm-hmm. to these performances. Uh, you know, I think I talked about how Liverpool's midfield, you know, pre-Tiago, who we haven't seen, unfortunately, because he's been sick and injured, is a very industrious midfield. You don't get a lot out of Milner and Henderson and um, even Wijnaldum. They just, yeah. they just, they, they get the ball and give it to superstars. Mason not only has that work ethic, he has an end product. Seven chances created, two of them big chances created, right? And an assist. He has that end product and the ability to be a goal threat as well. And I think that's what just shows that he's a complete number eight. Um, he's he's learning more and more under Frank, and he's evolving and growing as, as, as a player. And it's we're seeing it happen so quickly. Because, again, he's still super young. This is his second season in the Premier League. Like, that's it. And he's he's a kid out of the academy. It's it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. Um, can, continuing on the shout-outs is, is Air Zuma and Rolls-Reese. we got to talk about the defensive pairing real quick. Uh, Naz tweeted out that Kurt Zuma is the best goal-scoring center back in all of Europe's big five leagues and dominant in the air this season. The unsung hero strengths mean that his flaws are worth enduring. I mean, come on, Naz. Zuma, 74.5% of his duels have won. Puts him among the top 20 in all of Europe. Last season, Clayton, we said Zuma, good player, above average, but not the number one. He needs to be partnered with the number one. Tiago Silva has entered the arena, supplanted himself as the number one, and Zuma has benefited significantly from this membership. They both, per partnership, they both speak French. Uh, they have different play styles, so I think they kind of complement each other. But overall, like the the step from last season Zuma to this season has been has been pretty significant. Yeah, I, it's hard to cast your mind back to pre-injury Zuma when he first got in the team. Um, he looked really special. He was strong. He was fast, and and we thought we'd got somebody really good. And then he got injured. Then went out on loan. Had a couple of decent spells. Uh, But you wouldn't actually say that um, last season he was a complete centre-half. But something's happened. I mean, yes, being next to Silvers obviously had a profound effect on him, but it's more than that with him. His reading of the game seems to have increased, and whether the introduction of the offensive coach that we got in has helped. And if you notice now, he's... um, He's attacking the ball. He's attacking uh, the ball high up on the pitch. He's not uh, waiting for the ball to come to him. So he's become a much more proactive defender than a reactive defender. Um, And whilst, you know, Naz unkindly refers to his flaws, he's not the greatest ball player, but he's obviously worked on that and pings a few couple of really good balls. But he he looks like he's he's improved massively. I think we're we're sort of um, we're seeing the best of him and, and continuing to play next to one of the the greatest defenders of, of his generation is can only help him, Nick. I mean, you you mentioned in the in the first recording that he's he's jumping up into midfield to you know obviously contend headers and then you know to kind of put you know man to man mark occasionally. That's how he got hurt the first time. 
you know, if you if you remember against United, that's that's how he hyperextended his knee and obviously, you know, had ligament damage and things like that. Uh, I, was, showed... I was at I was at that game and I was actually sitting adjacent to where it happened yeah. and I could hear that scream and it was uh, awful. Ugh. But you know, I think I think the point about Zuma this year is that he hasn't really faced steep level of competition because the backline's been working as a unit. He hasn't been isolated that much. Um, you know, you think back to the FA Cup final, even Aubameyang got the better of him a couple of times. And, you know, the back, you know, back line and goalkeeper situation was obviously a much different one at the end of last season. You know, he, Bamford challenged him yesterday. Bamford got the better of him a few times yesterday. But he's a competitor. He steps up with a goal, a big goal. Uh, you, you could argue one of our, you know, probably one of our inflection points of the season with that goal. And he is converting now, Dan, headed opportunities at a rate that if he continues, he'll end up with something like nine or 10 goals this year at the current clip, which is insane given that he really, really struggled to find his his uh, heading uh, target system last year. It would always go over, always go wide. He's He's on fire right now in terms of that. Yeah, I, I love a goal-scoring center back. It is one of the best things you can have in your lineup. Because well, uh, sure. usually if they're a goal-scoring center back, means they're great on set pieces uh, on both sides. Uh, you know, you don't want the one that's giving you own goals. Uh, but in general, you know, Zuma has really just found a way to hit that sweet spot. You know, I think we saw kind of last season, you know, he would either be a second too early or a second too late with a lot of the jumps. Our, our friend Phil at Chelsea Youth was tweeting that whoever – identified the the fix or helped get the timing right for Zuma has definitely earned their wages is you know seeing their dividends kind of come from that investment because Zuma is definitely offering a ton early and you know in general Brandon I mean Zuma had a great day I think another one Reese had a a phenomenal day as well too and we can't bypass him either so let's not look Reese James <laughs> still a kid shrugging off Bamford right <laughs> Putting him in the dirt and then just mean mugging him with those eyes. The look of disgust he gave him. No, no, those that was a clear fuck you message. I have to say that out loud. <laughs> that the the look, the like, did you just what? Seriously? Because <laughs> I mean, Bamford did try to pull him down and just was wriggling on the floor. Reese James' one arm is equivalent to most men's uh, two arm tackles. So just, you know, that's, that's your equation from now moving forward. So at Statman Dave, laying it out, Reese James game by numbers versus Dirty Leeds United. Eight ball recoveries, two clearances, two for three on tackles, two of two aerial duels, two interceptions, two big chances created, and an assist. Some excellent deliveries and composed defending in the box. Um, Clayton, you talked a little bit earlier about how Azpilicueta was expected to be playing this season. He started out a little bit, but that rotation at right back quickly ended. Uh, Frank has put full trust in Reese James. He's put full backing. Aspi seems to be, as expected, an absolute pro in this whole kind of transition process. But Reese James is still a kid, but he looks like a man amongst men out there. A completely established solid doesn't look out of place one bit no he's um he's he's very exciting uh consider that he's not 21 till is it a couple of weeks time it's just astonishing as you say i think you, you hit the nail on the head he's a man he's uh okay he's one of our youth academy products but he's just he's a man he's nailed down that position 
I thought he was absolutely vital to the win yesterday. Um, just harping back to what Nick was saying about how Nick and I were both at 2-1, just, you know, spurning chance after chance, just waiting for them to to score the equaliser in that last 10 minutes. He he held everything together. For me, I don't know whether it was anything that I was seeing that was different to what other people were seeing. But for me, he was, he was spectacular. And mm. his tackles, everything that was coming down his side... He snuffed out and he won the tackle to pass the ball uh, for the third goal. Uh, he's just he's just fantastic, and um, I think Dan he's he's there as as long as he wants to say I you know that that position's nailed down for the next ten years. He is uh, not going to give it up easily. That's for sure. It would take a serious regression from where he is currently. Where he is, you know, we talked last season about how he was really good going forward and maybe sometimes had lapses coming back. But his overall game is just hitting an absolutely another level right now. And this was a good game for him to to kind of have that because it was end to end. So you got to see him you know, come back and, and make the defensive element of his game shine. You also had to see you got a chance to see someone actually take advantage of a cross that he delivered. Jeru's header that? from uh, whoo, whoo. Like scoring off of a Reese delivery, fantastic, because he's going to spam those balls in the box and we need people who can convert those chances because they are quite delightful. And so, no, in in general, it's just been very exciting to see how Reese has made it his own. And I mean, you know, I think the, the other nice thing about that is you can just see how much, you know, as P is, you know, you know, even though he's only playing limited minutes, only getting in, you know, in, in kind of substitute appearances or to give Reese a break, has continued to be the kind of just general professional and captain. We, we've known him to be off the pitch, too, and uh, carried himself within that, which is, you know, I'm sure he wants to be playing. I'm sure he wishes he was playing. But the way that this team, this team chemistry, I, I, I just love this side. This side has you know veterans it has new additions it has a manager who is your club's best player it has like all this narrative goodness in it and you can't help but love the Chelsea side no 100 percent I mean the you know the I'm flashing back to midweek against Sevilla but the you know everyone shining in Golo's boots after the last assist (laughs) that he made to Giroud uh, you know, like the the team celebration around Zuma's header was incredible yesterday. And it was everybody went over to him as like a, a point of congratulations. I mean, it, it's it feels like a team. It doesn't feel like a collection of individuals, which it has in the past. And, you know, there's not enough to be said for that. I mean, I, I think a guy like Chilwell, Brandon, is massive in the in the chemistry department. He seems to be everybody's best friend uh and and that you can't say enough for that kind of person i think having such a strong uh english core as well uh it's actually something we talked about with clayton in in previous Mm -hmm. seasons is i know something that you've always wanted in the team probably for obvious reasons but since there's the core came through cobham the core of bennett st george's the core have you know played at england national team youth level and now the full men's team um, even though Chibol didn't come through Cobham, he came through the England youth setup, which is Cobham version 2.0, essentially. <laughs> like, and so these guys, you know, he knows Mason, he knows, like they all know each other very well. And so um, I think it just helps, right? And then you sprinkle in uh, the German contingency right now that we have, and you're sprinkling in a little bit of flair and some different types of players, but 
it, it, it is all working right now. And again, just with Reese, it's he's now up there in the discussions of best right back in the league. And I think that's rightfully so. He should be pushing for that type of a title because of the level he's playing at, not because of my bias. And so I want, we just want to see more Reese because Reese James is having himself an absolute season and I hope he can continue going into it and it'll obviously help him come Euros. So, um, but the last thing I want to touch on before we, we kind of wrap this one up is, is leads, right? Dirty leads done. All right. Done and dusted, absolutely battered, but it's December, which means fixture pileup time. All right. Obviously, we play Krasnodar midweek, Everton at the weekend. Giroud played because he banged in four midweek against Sevilla. Played this match. Where do we go from here, Nick? Do we do we rotate all 14 spots? Do you pick and choose? Like, how do we approach the rest the rest of kind of this week? Because we can only take a kind of a couple matches at a t- at, in, in a row at a time. Right. Yeah. December's a long month, so you know how do how do you eat an elephant? It's it's one bite at a time, and and that's you know, what we have coming up. I am, look, you, you bought yourself the ability to rotate all 14 spots midweek if you want to, right? You're finishing top of the group, no matter what, uh, in the Champions League. So in my estimation, knowing the congestion that we have coming up, we're going to play two matches in two days at the end of the month. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane. Um, whereas Liverpool just get a nice, easy 4.5 days between each match. Chelsea are like 2.5 days. Well, you know, Liverpool's just worked so hard. They deserve it, um, obviously. Uh, so we're, we have a lot. We have a lot to do and, and a short amount of time to do it. So my recommendation, uh, as Frank takes in my counsel uh, for this entire season, I rotate every single spot in this team midweek. You bought yourself the opportunity to give debuts, you know, Champions League debuts to young players. I think you play a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, I think you bring in center backs who have been cast out. I think you bring in uh, youth team wing backs. I think you bring in your Tino Andrians, your Billy Gilmores, your everybody's. Because here, the, the point is not to uh, essentially write off the competition and, and not give Krasnodar a real go because they did earn their spot in the Champions League. It's not... It's not anything against them. It's just what we need to do to keep our players healthy. I would rather watch footage of our players going through treatment, Dan, personally, than than this match because we've we've achieved what we needed to do in the Champions League to this point. Now we got to focus on what we have left. I don't think that they're going to be selling a Sky Sports package to treatment room footage anytime soon, but I appreciate the sentiment that you have, which is that you know, you have an opportunity to make sure you rest players. You bought yourself that through really difficult fixtures leading up into this point. You know, I think you do give, you know, some of the first team players like a, like a Rudiger, um, a Keppa or a Willie. And uh, I said this in the first half, so I'll, I'll say, or the first time we recorded it, so I'll say it again, maybe split the goalkeepers up, give them each 45 minutes of match sharpness, even though Brandon, Brandon is <laughs> visually cringing as I say it. Um, Abraham, an opportunity to, to bag some goals and, and build some confidence there. Uh, Lee Ramento, I would love to see. I'd love to see Lewis Bate. I'd love to see Billy Gilmore get that full 90. Uh, you know, maybe Jorginho. Again, a couple of veteran heads 
a lot of youth players and debuts for youth players would make this uh, a very fantastic time. And then gets you set up to really kind of protect those core players, your, your Contes, your Mounts, your Timos for, uh, for, you know, the Everton match clean. Yeah. I, I sort of, I don't want us to lose the momentum. I, I understand the importance of protecting the, the main core of players and not overplaying these professional athletes. Um, I'd be looking very much to follow what we did for Sevilla, uh, similar sort of side, um, perhaps start Tammy instead of Giroud um, and Kepa instead of Mundy. Uh, and I'm very pleased that you tried to wind Brandon up with your half and half substitution goalkeeper comment. Uh, but I, that's that's just utter nonsense as much as I love you, Dan. That's just... <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, and 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 have those kids on the bench. Uh, and definitely, I'd love to see Andrew and uh, Liberato uh, have some game time in the Champions League. I think it would do them wonders. Uh, you know, Liberato is every time you see him, he's just the most wonderful, wonderful player. Unfortunately, he plays it right back, and that spot seems to be occupied for the duration. Uh, but hopefully, we can do something with him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I you know, the bottom line is, I I can never. I can never, ever, I don't care how um, dead a rubber it is, I can't I can't ever accept us going into a game handicapped and not, you know, giving ourselves the best chance to win it. I mean, even those sort of championship, after we'd won the Premier League uh, with Jose, um, and then we'd lose games afterwards. And it's just like, no, I don't want to lose. I don't ever want to lose. So I come from it from that that point of view. So um, we'll see. If, you know, the, the fact that we performed so well against Sevilla with a completely new back four, uh, if Kepa goes in, you know, I could easily see us playing Rudiger and Aspie a Jorginho. I know Pulisic came on early. Kovacic and Tammy Abraham. That's the bench that started the game against Leeds. I could see all of those guys going in, right? And then you sprinkle in with some, some academy and go from there. One that we talked about was do you play Kai Averts? Because he still hasn't had a lot of minutes. He's still coming back to the sharpness that we saw. Do you play him or do you just kind of completely bunker down? Frank's got a lot of decisions to make on his plate right now. It's a good problem to have, but nonetheless, it's one of those things where we have to, he's going to have to manage it. Fans have expectations. The players have expectations. They want to play every single match. It's it's not one that that I envy. Giroud probably wants to continue to play because his hot run. Squaka broke it down uh, against Leeds. He had 43 touches. He had six attempted shots, five touches in the opposition box, four ball recoveries, continuing to work hard defensively, three chances created, three aerials, one and a goal, like a fine wine. Um, I think you know Tammy should start just to get the run from the beginning. But other than that, I'm really open to a lot of the rotation, the positions to happen. So we're we're just gonna have to see. December is a, a hell of a month. Well, it's why I want to play a three four three. It's like I think you get in more of the players who would want who who would need match time. You know, your Aspies, your Emersons, or whoever would be kind of considered in this match. You get more of those players in, and you risk fewer of the players that we don't want to risk, i.e., your midfield and your attack kind of moving forward. So like I think that's the way to go. Plus the youth team does play that formation a lot. You know, if you if you are going to bring in youth players, like they're going to be familiar with the 343. 
So, you know, it's obviously as, as Phil has shouted out on our Chelsea youth update on a monthly basis. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I just, I'm all about putting players that we need to in bubble wrap until we need to use them this year. It is going to just be such a brutal season uh, for fitness that we can't really, you know, you, you saw Ziyech go down, so he's not going to be available for a handful of matches now. And it's a bad time to go down because if you, if you miss three weeks, you could miss seven or eight matches. So, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm in a protection mode. All right, Dan, go ahead and, and round us out here with the Dan of the match. Many, many shots taken at you over this one back in the, the firing line. Feels good. Uh, the heat was real. Well, people wanted, uh, you know, look, I don't know everyone by name, the 2000 souls that were inside Sanford Bridge who were singing their hearts out and making sure that Lorente got every bit of booing he deserved, that Jeered leads off the pitch at the end to applaud a Mason Mount. I mean, they, they were the Dan in the match, but for players, because I do know all of them by name, uh, surprisingly, um, Mason Mount and Golo Kante reached James with a definite three in here. I, I think you could have made a shout for anyone else for the fourth spot. I put in Giroux. You could have had Zuma. You, you know, you could have had others. I and mean, Pulisic get, comes in and gets a goal, which was, you know, very nice to see too. Uh, it's Mason in a landslide. Forty-six uh, percent of the vote. Reese James twenty-seven percent. Golakante twenty-two percent, and Giroud with six percent. Uh, look, anytime you don't have a goal score, there's probably an easy shot to be taken at you. Um, having the fans overwhelmingly go for Mason Mount probably just goes back to the fact that. A lot of people do appreciate him. A lot of people do see the value he brings them. And maybe that's just, you know, the people who are following and listening to us. We maybe gravitate towards those. But, uh, you know, I always love to see you getting heat on these, Dan. It's the best part of the show. I have to wait to the end of it, but I, I enjoy it. And Brandon is really upset about the three word match review taking off, and he needs no. to find a, a jab where he can get it. It's okay. Hey, I support He's probably it, more, right? more upset about the two goalkeeper thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to haunt him forever. <laughs> no, no, no. It'll haunt you. I am just fine. <laughs> okay. No, but I support the three-word match review. We added a channel on Discord dedicated to the three-word match preview or review, one of the longest title channels in our Discord. So uh, it, it is being supported by me fully, Dan. You, you get out of here with that. Uh, the table as it stands, all right? So we recorded... Uh, right after the North London Derby, uh, which was about as pathetic as you could have expected from Arsenal. So Tottenham have now jumped us back to the top of the table on 24 Ooh. points. Chelsea in second on 22 points. Leicester third on 21 points. And we've all played 11. So now it gets a little bit interesting. Liverpool are in fourth. Only 10 matches played on 21 points. So they could go back to second, tying Tottenham. Manchester United out of nowhere a little bit after their victory. Uh, 19 points. That puts them in fifth with the game in hand, so they could draw level on points with us. Man City are now up in sixth with the game in hand on 18 points. That could put them right in the mix. The top of this table is absolutely smashed. Leicester's still holding on. All right. Everton went from it's theirs to lose to it's been lost. <laughs> okay. They're down in ninth. Arsenal down in 15th. Just shambles. Uh, and then the relegation, Burnley in 18th on six points. West Brom in 19th after getting absolutely paddled by Crystal Palace, five to one. Insert comment, Dan. Silver lining for West Brom? Eh, there's, there's, I mean, it's kind of Gallagher gets his second goal. 
There you go. Got a, got a caution, but it's second goal, so good for him. I expect cautions out of him. He he gets stuck in, and I for like sure. that about Connor. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then in the last place, a miserable Sheffield United with one point all season with 11 played. Uh, Clayton, this table's been a bit of a shakeup. We're in second. We're in the right place as we near in this crazy time of the season. Overall, so far, the season and our table placement, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, um, I think we are higher than I expected us to be. I think that we have, I don't think anybody could have predicted at the start of the season how our defence would be. And so, you know, to, to obviously you want us to be as high, high as possible, but I have to say the defence has absolutely stunned me in just how it's gelled. Uh, Chilwell, fantastic signing. Um, I know people were bitching about the money and what have you, but as I always say, it's not my money. Um, and Frank wanted him, and you can see why. Uh, Mondi, I've never ever heard of, um, and I've been so impressed with him. Just generally, his, his whole demeanour. Um, Thiago Silva, you know, you watch the Champions League final, you could see what a great defender he was, but had no idea how he would cope with the um, the rigours of the Premier League. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I think we are where, where we need to be, um, whether we're good enough to go ahead and win it. Time will tell, but we're, we're basically up there and, and we're evolving into a really good side. Well, I think the, the last note we should just kind of touch on again is that we did have 2,000 fans in there. They did have an impact on the match. I know Gary Hayes tweeted something about it, and I, I you know, jumped in on that as well, is that it, it, what was missing the whole time was the, were the fans, the jeering. The, I, I love the fans the best, Clayton, and, and you guys will notice this is the last 10 minutes where maybe a match could fall off or you know, we, could, we could let it slip. The fans were raising the energy, making sure the players knew you know, don't yeah. stop now. Run, run, run. Don't let this go. And it it was great to see. And I know, you know, on the flip side, not only supporting Chelsea, but then getting on the ass of the the Leeds players as well. Yeah. No, it was it was fantastic. And and yeah. And as as we mentioned, or Dan mentioned, the the absolute merciless uh, <laughs> attack uh, was on Lorente was just absolutely superb. It was very funny. Very, every very every touch it was every touch incredible stamina from the Chelsea fans because all Leeds did in that last <laughs> 10 minutes was pass back it seemed and uh yeah they gave him some stick and then obviously the celebration after pool six clincher was great and the you know Lampard and the players walking over and and doing a lap of honor it seemed like and, and giving fans their due was you know I mean that's the stuff that makes this club special and you just you're eating that up all day that's fantastic sadly the tv coverage over here cut away almost immediately after the final whistle i don't know whether you got it but we we, we, we just didn't see it over here we got it and can yeah. i commend can i commend all of you for not going um over the top about christian's very good goal um <laughs> it was it was a great goal and I, I was very pleased to see him score because i actually thought against Sevilla. And to a certain extent in this game, he was trying so hard to score. Mm. He was he was not doing what he does best, which is create havoc and and help others. He was he was so desperate to score, which is fantastic to see. 
It's really great. And it's great to have him back. And he's he's so important. Well, you need him now. You need him now that Ziyech is going to be out for a bit. Yeah, you, you know, absolutely. You're going to need Callum just as much. It's... The, I would love all these players to be healthy at one time. That would just be tremendous. Hey, I've got the subtle support on. I've got the hat trick hero hat on. So uh, I'm supporting Christian that way. Uh, anyways, Clayton, thank you so much for joining us for not one, but two episodes today. <laughs> <laughs> You're an absolute legend before this. Oh I apologize, God. but thank you for sticking with us. We're going to let you get on to your dinner and the rest of your Sunday. Uh, but everyone, I've, go listen, I've, I've always got, you know, uh, this has been brilliant, but I've now got the Jets to watch. So, you know, my Sunday's complete. Uh, sorry. <laughs> well, what a bitter end. <laughs> At least you've got Trevor Lawrence next season, and you can enjoy that. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Well, everyone, go follow Clayton. uh, Link in the description. Uh, We'll be back, obviously, after the Krasnodar match. Uh, Probably a lot to talk about after that one. Uh, More about the lineup than the result. But anyways, uh, again, thank you so much, Clayton. Nick and Dan, gentlemen, as always, uh, connect with us on social or in Discord through our Patreon. That's going to wrap us up for this time, Chelsea fans. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.